call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 97 of Call It Friend of the podcast, where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Annika Tiernan, watched Avatar, The Way of Water. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the review film right from the start, but we don't spoil the other films and shows we watched. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friend of Podcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations. Peace. And we're live. Yes, we are live. Yeah. How's uh, how's it being in Scotland? You look like you're in Station Eleven over there, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm just waiting for some guy with a knife to break in and try and stab me to death. Oh, that was the best episode of Station Eleven. Spoilers for Station Eleven. Oh, the the sheer terror of that moment is is scarier than most horror films. I w- I, I like to just watch the end of Episode Seven of Station Eleven frequently. Are you serious? A nice little music cue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll fire that on. It's got my favorite bit of music in it. Huh. I don't know. Do I do that I often the with track things? is called Doctor Eleven. Because you've... You... I like to do that. I like to isolate just little moments. You know, people do that on YouTube. I've probably done that with um, the shootout from Heat. It shows you where I'm at. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I would do that too. It's actually... That pretty much... You could probably tell our divisive reactions to the movie we were going to talk about today just from the clips we would prefer to isolate. I'm all about the heat shootout. Oh, you've also told me that you isolate the moment in um, uh, You Were Never Really Here where Joaquin Phoenix tries to kill himself. That's a great moment. But that's, again, that's like the music cue, though. That oh, okay, like. it's about the music. It's Fair not enough. The, it's not the Joaquin Phoenix killing himself or <laughs> attempting suicide by, <laughs> by wading into a lake while, while being weighed down by uh, rocks in his pockets. I've seen that film no, three or four times. No, it's all about the music cue. It's old uh, Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. Tree Strings, I believe the track's called. My favorite music cue in that is... Um, the one where he f- he gets into the taxi and the 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 driver mouths the title of the movie. He goes, "You were never really here." <laughs> That's my favorite yeah. music cue in it. I, I like that. I like that when I get into taxis and they mouth film titles at me. <laughs> yeah, that's what you like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It never breaking to electric boogaloo. Nice. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about Avatar: The Way of Water. But before that, I've seen three new films. And one old film. I rewatched one of my favorite films, and I watched three new things. What? Where should I start? Start with the rewatch. End with the best new thing that you watched. Okay. Well, that might. I think we might coincide on that. Well, that'll be an interesting. No, we won't we'll because see. I didn't get time to watch it. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> well, I rewatched uh, something. I think I put this up for a toss a while ago when we were. We you had did. That, you did. Yeah, it was yeah. up against the thing where we did our rewatching yeah. a film that we wanted to see again, and I, that was I, I rewatched Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, and I in the I space between Ver, Vertigo. Nice Vertigo. I agree. <laughs> Vitiligo. Trampled on your excellent joke there, Andy. Sure, excellent joke. I've I've watched it in between that time and now as well, so I am I'm up for di- I'm up for discussion. It's great, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? That's it. I don't have anything else to add. It's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's really good. Uh, I watched uh, a 4K copy projected on a wall. Nice. With a 4K projector. And it was, well, I've got 1080p with some 4K capability projector. Okay. But uh, it was great. It was like being being in the cinema. 
And I've never seen the film like that before. And it's so beautifully composed. Yeah. Every shot is like a painting. The colors yeah. really pop. The plot is insane, but it's based on a novel, a French novel called D'Entre les Morts. But the, 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 it's basically the same. The composition of the, of the film really gets involved in the plot psychologically as well. Like you feel Alfred Hitchcock leering like the Jimmy Stewart character by the end something else yeah yeah i think as time has gone on the uh james stewart character jimmy stewart character the main the main character john sky ferguson Mm. now kind of appears like a full-on psycho (laughs) yeah totally this one should be called this film should be called psycho not vertigo plus it like it is alfred hitchcock if you know about all his his uh, pervy business with his blonde leading ladies like he uh, mm. it, it, it it's a pure cipher for hitchcock himself and there's he's got that it's got one of those great examples of how they used to uh, represent lesbian ladies in the 1950s and 60s well that she's like good at art yeah 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 she's just she's just a nice <laughs> she's person she's living alone yeah exactly she's exactly she's a lesbian i thought she's interested in scotty they no no but that's part of the scotty. that's that's part of the gambit how they would represent lesbians back in the day look it up it's part of film history they like if there was ever any like lesbians in novels or 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 um they would a good example of another type of like uh, people who use drugs in novels um, would just be just crazy people in movies. Like uh, in Breakfast at Tiffany's, the racist <laughs> portrayal done by Mickey Rooney, the upstairs Asian neighbor, he was a big weed smoker in the novella. He was, he's just on drugs. Is that what made him like that? Made him Asian, yeah. That's that what right. turned him Asian. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Mickey Rooney. Anyway, Vertigo is fucking great. Yeah. As I said, because, it, uh, it wasn't it wasn't that well received at the time, and now it's gone on. It's maybe has now. I've seen a few people saying that it's perhaps overrated. The uh, pendulum may have swung a bit too far. It is overrated. Way, it's not the greatest. I film still of love all time. it. It is not. It is not the greatest film of all time. I would say the the reason it's not is because the plot is a bit contrived in places. I mean, it's it's the mystery element is a bit silly when you break it down. But for that one sequence where jimmy stewart is chasing your one up the stairs i mean whatever about the plot that's genuinely terrifying he's yeah, out of his when mind they did that when he's looking down and they do that kind of focus pull effect of yeah 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 it's, to show the vertigo it's great so will i go yeah okay so uh well first of all i'll, I'll do a catch-up on you i uh watched i watched something that you recommended in a big way uh, I caught up with the first season of The Capture, mm-hmm. for uh, which a man called Ben Shannon does everything. By I learned this just re- creation, writing, directing, um, and I was hooked. To be fair, it's that he also crafted the lenses for the cameras. Nice, and he made the and made the yeah, made the sandwiches. That's right. It's that beautiful BBC kind of cocktail of intensely legging it around a city while trying to pull a conspiracy apart, which I like and you like. Uh, Holiday Granger from Strike and Roger and the Rotten Trolls, Ron Perlman off a of Hellboy and Quest for Fire, Caleb Turner uh, off a whole heap more in the future. I hope because I think he's the best thing in it. Um, it's like I don't. Which one's he again? He's the Soldier Boy. Ah, uh, Soldier Boy. He, well, spoilers for season two. He's not in it. Well, yeah, no, I can't imagine he would be. Um, it's, it's it's basically like. Line of Duty, but the balaclava pedophile men have an editing suite at their disposal. Uh, it does exactly what it says on the tin. If so, if you're like if 
<laughs> it does exactly what it says in the tin. I think you'd agree with this. So <laughs> it much captures people. So much so that, like, if you're into this kind of thing, you're laughing at certain beats, like certain parts. They're just funny, like, because they're so on the nose for what you expect. There's a particular episode where he he goes into a side room in a nightclub and discovers an extra conspiracy underneath the conspiracy, um, and it's just funny. And you know, you knew that was coming as well because the actor who's at the head of the conspiracy, you can tell you're like, oh, he got paid more than the other actors, but he's just a small character right now. When's he coming back? It's very funny. Also, when the twist in the final moment of the episode is. This series has Ron Perlman in it. But yeah, I really liked it and I will go back and uh, I'll be watching season two in no time at I'd all. say season two is a little bit more grounded. I've heard I mean, it's obviously still wildly far-fetched in some ways, but I think there's less of that going into the side room of a club. <laughs> it's a bit more, I don't know, it's a bit more straightforward in some ways. Fair enough. Because they've already explained the mystery to an extent. Yeah. I mean, it'll scratch your line of duty or um, itch, I suppose. That that is the line of duty done, by the way. Do you know this? I read something the other day saying that they were going to come back for like a two-part special, like a sort of office Christmas special, <laughs> where Finchie's <laughs> Finchie's going to be there, causing causing mayhem, no doubt. <laughs> and yeah, Mar- uh, Martin, uh, Martin. Yeah, Mar- Compson's going to turn up with some lady he met on online dating. Yes, and call Finchie a dick. That'll work for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, God, the ending of that sucked. Ah, well, what are you going to do? What do you got? Well, so uh, we're going in order of uh, how I liked the three new things I watched. That means that next up is Steven Spielberg's latest film, The Fablemans. Yes. What about uh, it? How, how familiar are you with this one? What have you read about it? I mean, it? I follow mo- movie news, so I know it's, it's based on his life. He... Mm. Co-wrote the script, I believe. Yeah, with Tony Kushner, who created Angels in America. They worked together on Munich and Lincoln and West Side Story. Well, the first two of those I absolutely love. Haven't seen West Side Story. Well, I mean, we, we, we watched the real West Side Story. That's all we need. Exactly, exactly. Only, that's my West Side Story. I would need, like, when I heard that it was being done, it made me think, this sounds more like Martin Scorsese's wheelhouse than Steven Hugo. Spielberg. <laughs> it's like a love of cinema I'm getting towards the end of my life Legacy I All want right. to put something out there about my family Let me drop a bomb on you here Like I actually quite liked Hugo when it came out uh, Yeah I me know too. a lot of people saw, did not I saw okay, it in 3D okay. I think I thought it was an amazing 3D presentation actually to be honest I remember the yeah, 3D being great nice. uh, I, haven't I wa- remember when the train was coming at me And I got scared I remember that the, they did the 3D reproduction Of the George Melier's films Which I thought was really cool actually um, I, th- I actually thought it was a very nice tribute to cinema. Um, I'm guessing even from your tone of voice, you don't think that this is the case with The Fablemans. I think The Fablemans... So The Fablemans is basically telling Steven Spielberg's life story from 7 to 18. It's semi-fictionalized, but there's enough in there where you're like, okay, it's clearly old, mm. old Stevie. I think the strongest scenes in it are the ones where it shows how he made his like high school films or childhood films. It shows some of the kind of genius techniques that he used, like... He made this Western and, well, this is mild spoilers for one of the best moments in the film, but I'm all right. he, made this, he made this Western when he was like a teenager. Yeah. And he felt that the like gunshots basically looked rubbish. They looked terrible. So what he did was he took the film and started like pricking holes in it so that it would just show like a kind of flash, flash. of light on the screen. Yeah. 
things like that. Like those are by far the best part, showing how he understood. He even as like a child or teenager, he had this kind of understanding of film that was. You know, he was able. He was able to create something really special. He is. Those for me are the best parts. He is the goat. I mean, I, I even though there are directors whose bo- entire body of work I prefer, I think either him or James Cameron, just for their practical approach to what you can achieve. I, I think George Miller, if he had, if he was more prolific, would have an argument in there as well. I'm obviously only naming action directors, but I just think I, I think it's got to be Steven Spielberg for. I mean, if you start with Jaws and end up with Munich and the amount he's achieved in between. I think, like, that was always the criticism of, like, um, Dawson's Creek, was having a character who's, like, my favourite film director is Steven Spielberg, and it's just like, yeah, of course it is, you dickhead. (laughs) Like, everyone likes Steven Spielberg, you boring bastard. Imagine thinking that that's, like, a revolutionary thing to... That's why that character was so That boring. attitude has, has opened the door for people like me to enjoy Steven Spielberg in a revolutionary way. Like, <laughs> I, like I, I look at his films and, and I, I do think, what a fucking genius. But to be fair, my, like my favorite is probably either Private Ryan or Munich. So not, not classic Spielberg, so to speak. Because uh, I think his, mature, his later era films have just it, it combined a craft with, his level of craftsmanship with his interest in history. So it's it's kind of a bummer for me that The Fablemans doesn't work, to be honest, although I wasn't expecting huge things from it. Well, I mean, this is just, this is just, hey, this is just one man's opinion. If I had to give my favourite Spielberg film, I'd go Jaws. In this film, you've got Michelle Williams and Paul Dano playing his parents, which is quite an interesting choice, seeing as they're, neither of them are uh, Jewish. Yeah, You've got Seth Rogen as the uncle. And one of them went out with Dawson. Very good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's that's probably why she was cast. <laughs> um, so like how this came about was um, when Spielberg was writing Munich with Tony Kushner, he told his life story to him, mm. and basically Tony Kushner turned around and said, "That Stephen, that is fascinating. You need to make that into a film." And I disagree. <laughs> I think it's fine. It's just not that interesting. I think if you were like a member of Spielberg's family, this could be quite interesting. But I don't think it holds enough drama, really. His father took him it's to look just at UFOs. All fine. He that's he, not in the film. Oh right, well that's uh, that was uh, the kickoff that got him to Close Encounters, another great movie. Mm. God, he's got so many good movies. I digress. But um, yeah, I, his cousin is a shark. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean... Anyway, I wasn't a fan. I think it's hugely overrated. I think it's probably going to do quite well uh, come awards time. Some of the acting's very good, but ultimately, uh, yeah, the film's not not for me. Although there is a good scene towards the end, slight spoilers, where David Lynch plays John Ford, which is worth watching. That sounds great, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'll watch this anyway, for sure. Um, I'm sure you will. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. Disappointing, it's uh, disappointing. But one thing you brought up just there, Steven Spielberg very very well might collect what he's owed in terms of credibility with nominations in this one. You know, it's Steven Spielberg, he's making a movie about his life, everybody's just going to shower it with plaudits. It's kind of two plus two equals four, no? That just feels so empty to me. Totally, I'm not disagreeing. Um, You should make Jaws 5 instead. And all the people what they want. Also, Sam Mendes is releasing his tribute to cinema this year, and apparently it sucks a bit. 
That's what I heard. And、uh, yeah, even Sophie's not that great. Sophie? Olivia Coleman is apparently not going to get nominations off the back of it. And、oh. she gets <laughs> nominations、yeah. for everything. Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. Is Sophie in it? Yeah, she's the lead. Who、yeah. knew? Yeah. And as she, as she, she gets credited as Sophie from Peep Show. <laughs> that's, what she, that's what she asks. As she, she should. She demands it. Still her greatest role, to be fair. Yeah. Mark. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm all TV shows this week, but、uh, I'll I'll throw a movie at you right now. Well, no, I'll do it one two movies.、Uh, first of all,、um, a documentary. What is a woman? Just because I don't know. This one might、It、sounds like it's going to be reasonable and、uh, <laughs> balanced. Go ahead. <laughs> Your sarcasm nail on the head. For anybody who's intru- who's publicly declares that they're tired of. Culture wars, but at the same time indulges themselves whenever something like this comes out. I mean, this is for you, but as a film by the Daily Wire, it is. Oh my god! <laughs> it is funny in the it. It's funny in both the way it intends to be and funny and but way funnier in a way it definitely doesn't intend to be because the way okay so the way it intends to be funny is kind of like a Louis Theroux approach. This, like basically, this fellow Matt Walsh. Who's a dick? That's one of the funniest things about the movie. He's he's a dick. He's such an arsehole. He, he like he's trying to do the Louis Theroux thing, but Louis Theroux's thing is kind of being disarming by being nice. But he's this guy's clearly a wanker. <laughs> like he's an arsehole,、um, and he interviews almost exclusively arseholes as well. There's no balanced view in this. Who could expect one with、uh, the Daily Wire? This is the only thing by the Daily Wire I've ever watched, by the way. So I was. I don't know. You know when you go to America and you see Fox News and you go, "Wow, it's like that, is it?" Uh, it's kind of like that. It's so. I think they. I think they made a film, right? Did they not make a western? And it was like everyone who couldn't get work anywhere else, all in the same film together. Well, yeah, Gina, what's her chops off, Mandalorian? Yeah, Gina Carano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They they did one like that. Um, and it's you know it's just a big pro gun trailer essentially. Which I mean, I'm the all I'm all for that. The cancelled seven. <laughs> yeah, the cancelled seven. That's good. This is interesting, I suppose, because the issue is interesting. But it's way more interesting to just get a real glimpse into, because there's money behind this, and this has made a lot of money. Just how siloed one's media consumption can be. Do you know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. Like anybody, like anybody in their right mind watching this would go, "Can we get a bit of balance, please?" Like I'm my <laughs> my favorite documentary maker is、uh, probably Werner Herzog,、um, a higher bar than this for sure. But Werner Herzog is the exact. Other end of the spectrum to this, he'll go. Oh, that's an interesting issue, and literally tell the story as he's making it. Just explores the issue as he goes.、Mm. This is exactly the opposite to the point that is quite funny. I'm going to spoil the end of it because the end is. Why did you decide to watch this? Um, just because I heard like an hour of him being interviewed on on Rogan, and、uh, it just. To be honest, I did know what this was going to be. I did know what it was going to be, but. I kind of I don't know. I wanted to poke the bear a little bit, let's say,、um, and I got a good laugh out of it. To, to be fair, all of the stuff, the shocking stuff in it, is stuff that I knew already. I just got to kind of what made it most compelling was the window into conservative America. To be honest,、mm. and it's not that I didn't disagree with the points it makes. I actually agree with most of the points it makes, but it's just that I don't know if this wasn't on the Daily Wire, if the, which is you know an exclusive. You know, you got to pay for membership to consume the content. Only conservatives are paying for me- membership,、uh, and me, no, I just paid for a blockbuster membership. But anyway, 
this is the kind of siloed stuff that they're into. They are in no way interested in a balanced perspective. In no way. Which is, it's nuts and it's funny to see. I'm going to spoil the ending a tiny little bit just to give you a preview as to how it ends up. So he goes around and does all these interviews. He does ask good questions, but like I said, he's a bit of a dick. But he always ends the interviews by asking, like, what is a woman? And then it ends up with somebody going, well, aren't you married to one? Ask your wife. Uh, so the end of it is a recreation scene. I, th- I hope it's a recreation scene where he goes back to his own house and asks his wife, what is a woman? And his wife goes, uh, it's somebody who needs help opening this and hands him a pickle jar and he opens it and goes, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, I took that mad leap into conservative America so you don't have to. But I also watched Mike Hodges' uh, most famous film because Mike Hodges died and I hadn't seen it in many years. Have you seen Get Carter with Michael Caine? Not the in- I have, not for a long time, but uh, I read through the plot synopsis just to try and refresh my memory of it because I remember it was quite confusing. It's dark as fuck. Yeah, well, I mean, it's set in Newcastle. What do you expect? But this is it. It's like, I don't know, there's something... 70s movies where they like the big thing was not filming in studios like the bigger better movies would be made outside of studios so just like it opens on a train it's clearly a real train it's moving through the countryside and then it ends like soon after you're in a mansion with a bunch of people watching pornography together on a projector it's dark and it's just like god damn the 70s were grim and it's also quite violent like this and this on a double bill with the likes of The Long Good Friday um, would, I mean, that that's some dark 70s, 80s UK for you right there. I mean, it's the, so it's the story of uh, Carter, uh, like a gang hitman who goes on a, a sort of a revenge rampage. It's got a great soundtrack. I've said the word dark a number of times, I know, but if you're taking this as a recommendation, be prepared. It is quite violent and not in a fun Sam Peckinpah way either. But I do highly recommend it. R.I.P. Mike Hodges. Uh, God bless. Have you watched the 2000 remake of Get Carter? I saw the remake before I saw the original. Oh, man. Uh, Maybe I did too, actually. Yeah, yeah. I may have seen that one first. And I, I, I thought the... I remember the, uh, the remake being one of the first films I would have seen where I went... In the cinema, as in, I saw it in the cinema, where I went, this is kind of shite, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Should people be allowed to make these type of things? I, yeah. It was quite, it, it, the, I haven't, obviously haven't seen it since, but I do remember it being quite shite. And then I would have seen the Mike Hodges one when I was in university and I was just going on a rampage of blockbuster revenge, renting like about 10 movies a week and breezing through them, you know? So yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it is great. It's very cool. Super cool. McCain in his day, I mean, wow. Like, I don't think he's a classically good-looking man, do you? Yeah, he seems like, I, I mean, he was just like, that was his time. Yeah. That was his time. I've he was never a man seen Alfie. in 1971. That's what you were supposed to look like. Have you and s- he was from Newcastle in the film, right? He's like, but he went down to London and he comes back up to Newcastle. He's like, all right. Have you seen Alfie? I'm from Randy. Uh, I don't think so. Nor have I seen the Jude Law remake. I haven't seen Alfie, I, I, either of them. I have seen, like, talking of classic Kane, The Italian Job, The Ipcris File. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, second on my list of things, of new things that I watched. Okay, the first one, Fablemans, I didn't enjoy. This next one, I really did enjoy. I thought it was very good. I watched Glass Onion. Oh, I'm so looking forward to this. Mystery. I'm a huge fan of the first one. I love the first one. I've seen well, it if you're twice. a fan of the first one, this is pretty much uh, the same again. 
much like Avatar 2. Just kidding. Yeah, so basically Ryan Johnson created that first Knives Out based on his, his love of Agatha Christie and those type of mysteries. And that one cost around $40 million and then grossed close to $400 million. So nice. Upon the the you know after making a huge amount of money with the first Knives Out, the rights to future films, which were going to be made with Lionsgate, mm. I think Lionsgate basically ended up going out of business. So they auctioned off the rights, and Netflix paid around again around four hundred million dollars for the rights to no four hundred sixty nine million dollars for the rights to the next two Knives Out films, this one and. The next one, which uh, Ryan Johnson's writing now. So the box of office the l- gross of the original plus sixty nine. Yeah. Yes. Nice. They're they're kidding around, but one of the losing bidders in the deal. So they were out. Netflix outbid Amazon, Apple, and various others. And wow. one of the losing bidders basically said it was insane. It was a mad amount of money for them to spend. I mean, it's part of the reason. I think Netflix at that point was just pissing away money. Yes, and this Netflix was in isn't March doing twenty twenty one. Disney Plus is now the number one spot, and Apple Plus is. By in terms of quality, the best. So Netflix better watch out, as far as I'm concerned. To be honest, yeah, I mean Netflix is it has invested a huge amount of money, hmm. and the 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 budget on Glass Onion is again is only forty million. It's grossed fifteen million because it had a, a short run Very in, brief, in yeah. theaters. It was in cinemas for a short a short while, but we're recording today on Christmas Eve. It, the film was released yesterday on Netflix. And it's, it is very similar to the first film. It follows quite a, a similar sort of mm, structure in some ways. I, oh, I'm not going to spoil anything of it. Just to say it's set in Greece on an island. It all revolves around this billionaire tech guy, Edward Norton, who's a bit Elon Musky, among other people. He's got a bit of an Elon Musk about him. And there's a group of people who all go to attend uh, a party on his island. You've got a lady played by Janelle Monet, Catherine Hans in it, Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista. You've got a solid uh, group of, of characters and you've got Daniel Craig returning as Benoit Blanc. What about Dave Bautista? Southern detective. Like... I mean, making the WWE to credible indie actor crossover, plus major commercial actor crossover. Yeah, he's solid. I haven't seen him in anything and thought he was bad. I mean, obviously Drax, he's, his role as Drax is is some really, his best. really funny yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's brilliant. always funny. But, it, but he's, he's played some pretty dark, he's played darker roles as well. He's, like, got, uh, he's got... Blade Runner 2049. Uh, Dune. He's got... Mm, um, Dune as well. He's, I would say he's got more credibility than The Rock at this point in terms of... Definitely. Yeah, just, far more. Just and then quality, Cena like, m- might have taken... Might have pipped him. Oh, what, with Peacemaker? Mm. I still haven't watched Peacemaker. God, I must get around to that. Uh, by the way, uh, just in a brief detour uh, into movie news, I'm very excited with what James Gunn is doing over at uh, DC Warner Brothers. A lot of people yeah, are... Up- he fired Henry Cavill. Yeah, a lot of people are upset by it, but I, I, I just... And Patty Jenkins and Gail Gadot. I mean, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a necessary reset if they're going to challenge Marvel in any meaningful way. Yeah, but I, I like, I like it because Marvel is kind of just floating like a poo at the moment, as far as I can see. It, do, it doesn't seem to have a very interesting way forward because they've made everything just that much more grounded. Whereas, I don't know, like 
I really have no idea what somebody like James Gunn is going to do. All I know is I like everything he does. The idea of him directing characters across a shared universe is exciting to me, for sure. And he's writing a new Superman movie. That's exciting, too. Yeah, bring back Brandon Routh, I say. And Kevin Spacey is the baddie. Yes. Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor. That was good. The real Superman. Anyway, uh, moving on, back to Glass Onion. Yes. Just to say, it's about uh, it's about two hours 20 long, but it wow. absolutely flies by. You've got about an hour of like table set, play setting, and then you've got about an hour, another hour 20 of like revelations. A quite similar structure to the first one. Uh, it pays everything off quite well. I think Ryan Johnson has found his niche with these films. Mm. I think it's something he's able to do quite well. And I think he's, I mean, he's like, he's, he's already writing the third one. I, I don't know how many he'll end up making. I think he could just keep churning these out. Much like Agatha because Christie. Because they're, they're solid. Yeah, I mean, they're solid. They're, they're cheap to make, relatively. This is, uh, I, I think anyone who enjoyed the first one is going to like it. I don't know if it will match. I don't know if it really hits the same heights necessarily, but it's, it's certainly worth watching. Huh? Can't go wrong with it. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery available on Netflix now. I have a, 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 a series that, well, two series that I'll throw at you before my final series, which was great. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I got a lot watched. Um, I did. TV over here. I did. I got a lot watched, uh, as well as the film that we're going to talk about in the end. So I continued on with The Expanse, season four. For those not familiar with this, The Expanse, it's, I don't know, it's like Star Trek, but set in the universe of Alien, maybe? I mean, there's a lot of uh, focus on working <laughs> class and politics, um, mm-hmm. but it is just fantastic and has always been in my eyes. Uh, this was the first series, series four, where they got the Amazon money. The s- series four is the first one that's in, I suppose, the titular expanse because it's a, all of a sudden humanity gets gateways to the rest of the universe. And um, yeah, you've got Belta Lodas versus the Martians versus Earth. It's fantastic. It's the best series so far, in my opinion. Mm. I know, I know, I know. It finished at six, and I've ju- just when I finished four, I've started to be bummed out about that fact. I'm sure you are bummed out about that fact because this is so good, so interesting, not spoon feedy in the least. Great characters, a, a tiny bit hammy dialogue occasionally, but mostly good dialogue. But just in general. Their approach to the idea of what encounters with an alien civilization might be like is, I don't know, I mean, it, it, it defies expectations, but dramatizes what people theorize reality would be like in a scenario like that in an interesting way. I love it. I love it so much. I watched, I watched the season in two days, season four. It's ten episodes. Um, I snuck it in wherever I could, got up before my family, stayed up after they'd gone to bed, I love it so much. I'm bummed out that I only have 16 more episodes. Just to just to check, no spoilers here, but does season four end with someone getting spaced? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's a great moment. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. It's solid. My, I, I remember one character I really liked was um, Burn Gorman playing the sort of arsehole boss of the people on the planet. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's great. And Yeah, he plays like a really good military slash company guy and you know what i agree with him most of the way <laughs> yeah he's just following orders this, no but this keeps happening to me with um with with shows and movies is i i agree well hold on yeah fine there'll be spoilers for season four of the expanse but to be honest if you haven't seen it you're not going to probably so yeah his ship gets shot down 
on the way down and he's really, really pissed off about it. Like 20 people die in the crash. So, and up until the last two episodes where his pissed offedness extends to sadism, I'm kind of mostly on board with them. Like, you know, 20 of his friends died in a, in a, in a terrorist attack and the Belters are known to be terrorists. You know, what are you going to do? Tell me I'm wrong. He's great though. He is great. Yeah, he's solid. And he, he's not my... Amos is my favorite character, and I love, love a bit of Amos. Just because he's, he's so weird. He's a, a very strange... Strong, silent type. Yeah, yeah, very strange character. That's what you're into. I do like the strong, silent type, yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no issues with the Expanse at all, really, so far. Highly recommended to anybody. Over to you there, Andy. Well, so I've reached my last film then. The one that I enjoyed the most, I would say this is up there for my favorite films of the year, without question. I watched The Banshees of Inisherin. I'm so excited to see this. The Banshees of Ed Sheeran. The fourth film uh, from Martin McDonough. So people are saying it's his best work since In Bruges. Would you concur? It very much feels like a spiritual successor to In Bruges. Seven Psychopaths I enjoyed, but it felt very throwaway to me. I liked it and it it was funny, but it's not something I enjoy revisiting ever. Three Billboards, I think I've only seen once. I really enjoyed it. I've seen it twice. It's very solid. I don't really want to go back and rewatch it. I must have seen In Bruges at least six times by now. Same. I've seen that a lot of times. I will rewatch this many times, definitely. It's it's one of the... yeah, it's one of the funniest films that I've seen for a long time. Oh, like I I'm was so excited! Ca- I, was, I was I was cackling throughout. As really, really, it, I mean, it's the same kind. It's that same sort of dark comedy, a black tragicomedy. It's described in the Wikipedia page. Um, it is is really really funny. Every character, the acting is amazing. It it feels like a play. Mm. It's it's all set on this uh, fictional island of Inisherin. I mean, there's at least uh, there's at least three geniuses involved in it, like geniuses of their profession. McDonough, Farrell, and Gleason. I'm talking about. Yeah, they're they're all. I, I mean, Farrell and Gleason are on top form. Kerry Condon's excellent. Kerry Condon's Colin, in this. She plays Colin Farrell's sister, okay. Siobhan. She's really, really, really funny as well. But there's also there there. The thing about, you know, some of his films and uh, I guess his plays, I don't think I've seen any, but yeah, the thing about it that he's able to balance that dark comedy along with, yep. with you know, such, uh, there's, there's so much tragedy at the same time that it's, it's exceptionally moving. As a teenager, I saw um, what was his big international splash play with the, the Beauty Queen of Lenan, it, it was called. Um, was it won him Tonys and stuff like that. And honestly, it's, I mean, it was what you're describing. So, so funny. With an ending that I was, I, I, I remember being sad for a week after seeing the play. Yeah, he's a genius. In Bruges is genius, but in Bruges is not quite like, and I don't know about this either, but like it's, it, whereas that, that play, The Beauty Queen of Lenan is a tragedy. In Bruges is kind of like a, an absurd sort of like a Harold Pinter player. Well, I mean, it's very much, yeah. it's in the mold mm-hmm. of, uh, call it, the dumb waiter, I suppose. But, uh, it is, and what I've heard so far about the Banshees of Inishir, and I very much trust your opinion, is that it's, it's, it's more of the Pinter ilk. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, like, thematic depth here. That, that I mean, there's, it, it's the kind of film that I would like to 
study, rewatch, read about, mm. read different theories. I, I mean, it's set during the Irish Civil War in 1923, and I've heard a few theories that that's what it's all about. Like, it's kind of representative of the Civil War. That's very uh, interesting. Which is something I know nothing about. Well, sit on my lap uh, here, I mean, Andy. I've, I've read a bit. Well, I mean, I've 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 read a bit of it, but it's it, this film is all it's filmed quite close to where you are, I think. Yeah, that would it wouldn't. I've seen the trailer. It looks like it's set in the burn, pretty much. Inishmore. Inishmore. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is very close to where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it looks beautiful. Just this, the the scenery's excellent. It has a bit of like Father Ted humor to it in some parts, and Barry Keown's excellent. Again, yeah, he's, of course he's he very is. funny, playing a sort of knob knobhead character as he's as he often does. He does, yeah, yeah. I I'd highly recommend this film. It's one of my favorite things I've seen for a long time. Great. The way you're describing it, wa- wanting to rewatch it and watch it again, it, like I mean, that's that's the great thing about. Well, there are many great things about In Bruges, but that is the great thing about In Bruges that I know of. Yeah. Is, is that like first time you watch it, it's just you just you you can't do anything but laugh. But then, yeah. like, second and third, you're laughing, but as you're expecting the next laugh, you get to think about what you're watching, and you you see the different Definitely. layers of yeah. what it's about, and, uh, oof, I'm so looking forward to this. I'm, I, I like, because uh, I've I've read so, like, a lot of four stars going around, and then one or two critics going, what are you talking about? This is five stars. This is uh, film of the year, a lot of people are saying. Well, I, I read a few comments from people saying, like, I liked In Bruges, but I just felt like this one didn't go anywhere. So I was a little concerned. But mm. then after watching it, I realized those people were just stupid. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. And to think, this man is going out with uh, Indiana Jones's goddaughter. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And he used to date Abby Cornish, I remember. Nice. What? Who said that? You. Abby Cornish of uh, of Jake Sully. Somersault. Yeah, fame. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that'll bring us nicely to Avatar. Eventually, I'm sure you've got 10 more things. No, I've got one more thing. It's a big, fat go recommend. Big, fat recommend. Okay. We'll stay on the island of uh, Ireland for this. So, Sharon Horgan and Apple TV show themselves to be well-suited to work together in Bad Sisters. Have you heard anything about this? Mm, the title. Now, it should be no surprise to anybody, this news, because... Sharon Horgan and Apple TV are both great. Uh, Apple is interested in quality at any cost, you could say. They've been seeking out talent and chucking money at it, mostly to winning effects. And Sharon Horgan is just, well, I think she's really talented. If you're a fan of anything she's done so far, prepare yourself because, to my mind, Bad Sisters is the fullest expression of what she's capable of. It's a nearly perfect show for me. It's the remake of a Flemish show called Clan, so no points for concept, but as you'll see... Like, the shape of it allows her to flex her, I don't know, her writing chops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just made for her. So, it's right, it's the story of four sisters who conspire to murder their horrible, nearly but not quite comically monstrous brother-in-law, played amazingly by uh, Clace Bang of Dracula and the Square. Oh, nice. Due to his uh, abusive treatment of their sister. So that's five sisters total, uh, anyone who's counting. Um, I say again, for any fans of her previous work, this is Sharon Horgan bingo card. Uh, the writing is heartfelt and hilarious. The characters are so deep and well-rounded, it's tough not to feel involved after just one episode. The cast are wonderful across the board, though I'd give particular shout-outs to 
Uh, well, Michael Smiley, because I love him in everything, and this is no exception. Oh, legend. Uh, Sharon Horgan is great as the matriarch sister, Eva. Anne-Marie Duff breaks your heart as the abused Gracie. But, and I hate to give the man plotted, uh, the, the main plotted rather, to the man with so much um, female talent on show, but this, because th- this is top to bottom, uh, integrally feminist piece that makes a cogent argument for the existence and against the persistence uh, of the overused phrase toxic masculinity but sorry the show belongs to Clay Spang his antagonist is the most hissable villain I can remember encountering (laughs) in anything ever like how well he strides the line between over the top for our occasional amusement and groundedly shudderingly evil means the real star of the show is well the real star of the show is Horgan's writing I suppose but Clay Bang is the vessel in which the show's braves the waters and gets to the promised land he's like he's the force against which the rebellion unites you know in like to use Star Wars terms um, and the like ah Clay Bang is amazing here he's the secret ingredient so is he playing Irish or no? He's English playing as far as I know. He's playing. He's playing Swedish, living in our in Ireland. All right. And, okay. and by the way, is like the opening shot is him in a coffin. So it's no spoiler to say he ends up dead. But he's so bad in this. It might be. It might be a good idea for him to play Santa or something, or he'll end up being like Ted Levine, <laughs> just like spend two decades just being the guy who said, "Is she a great big fat person?" Like. Wow. I really, really highly recommend this show. I don't want to say too much more about it beyond that. I know I've said a lot at this point, but it's a big fat recommend for me. Huge fan. How are they going to make a... Se- so they're, they're making a second season. Yes, they are, which is a puzzle is it, for me. Is it logical? Does No, okay. So it, it does kind of all resolve itself after the end of season one. Then. No, yeah, like the, yeah it, it could work as its own the thing. The story's resolved. Yeah. Yeah, I, ge- like I gather he'll probably appear in a flashback or something because he's so good. But honestly, the... The relationship between the sisters, uh, like the characters are, they're really fun to be around. I, I've, said, I've said it once already in this podcast, I probably say it in many podcasts, but um, man, Apple TV just know what they're at. They're incredible production house. Yeah, they're shame that Netflix has fallen off a cliff so badly. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think they're probably still worth so much money that like that you'll never see something like Queeby happen again you know what I mean if you get enough money but when I see that something was made by Netflix it kind of puts me off yeah that's true that's true I just because I have certain expectations I was a little bit worried with the glass onion especially the first five to ten minutes I was like uh oh yeah and you know Scott Cooper's newest thing is in Netflix and I like Scott Cooper but Netflix seems to be the place where uh exciting filmmakers go to uh, get no production notes and then die. It's what happened to the Green Room guy. His Netflix film was fucking terrible. What's his name again? Jeremy well, Solnier. Yeah. Jeremy Solnier, yeah. Anyway. Hold the Dark. Hold the Dark, yeah. Sucked. Fancy talking about Avatar 2? Uh, no, but I'd prefer to talk about Avatar, the way of water. <laughs> to, <laughs> to quote Kermode. <laughs> He that's a quite a funny review to watch because he actually doesn't really say anything in it. He just makes fun of the film. Yeah, is that uh, is that the camp you're in? No, I this I'm in a far more uninteresting camp because I thought it was fine. Okay, that's my reaction to the film. To Avatar was like it was completely fine. All of it, the whole it, way I've, through. I've, I've 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've listened to both sides of people who love it, people who hate it. And I'm very much in the the anti-Marmite position of just, yeah, I thought it was absolutely serviceable, just completely, just fine. It didn't do that much for me. Mm. Neither did I hate it. So it's not, as I say, not a very interesting position to take, but that's where I am with it. Okay. Whereas you went home after you watch (laughs) it and painted your skin blue. And started going, I see you, and then you <laughs> plugged your, your your pubes into the socket. <laughs> you see, it's not about that. I, like, one of the points that you, you made about generally disliking the first one did stick with me. I don't think it does have very much um, cultural imprint. I think you're, you're right about that. Even though, I, if you remember, around the time when the first Avatar came out, you know, everybody's Halloween costume was a fucking Navi and all of that stuff. But it certainly, That's true, it's, but that was 13 years ago. Yes, but, it's, and it, but it certainly doesn't have like the imprint of like the likes of Terminator, let's say. That, or, or even Titanic. But that said, I think, I don't think this is as good as the first film, hmm. for mostly scripting reasons. But I do think it lands on the same turf that made the makes the first one a five star movie for me, which is it's a just it's a very it's the perfect argument for the medium of cinema, like it it's it's event cinema it's huge it demands a huge screen the the scripting issues which I don't actually think exist in the first film uh, a lot of people do I rewatched the fir- the first film on re release and it was even better than I remembered quite frankly I think it's absolutely great I think the teething issues that this one has um are kind of just picking up the pieces and getting the story moving and like the like the first 20 minutes is pretty much all exposition it's like we've got these kids now and we have this extra human guy who's also a kid and whereas I think the first 20 minutes of the original are all spectacle are, are about just just all nearly drowning you in the effects just to make you like how does the first one start i have no recollection of that uh jake sully on a spaceship floating out um and it, like you you I can't feel my legs you do immediately get the impression of the the depth in the screen better than any other 3d movie you'll see you just think wow that the the end of that shot is 20 feet away from the surface of the screen like it's it, it's really good for that and then gradually you get to see more and more and more of Pandora and, and until you get sort of hooked. And there's the, the action kind of... The action builds in a similar way across both movies, I'll say that, just bit by bit by bit and then boom. Um, even though I would say the action in the second film is better. So that exposition part, which I understand why they had to do it, um, it kind of graded a little bit for me and also... Uh, the MacGuffin of the stuff from the whales, I thought was dumb. Um, but whatever gets you out in the water. Point being, when I say what makes the first film a five star for me is also present here in that it's just once you get immersed, once you well, fine, once I get immersed in that world, I I was knackered going into the screening where we saw this. I was so tired, and about one hour in, I was just completely awake and just loving it. Once they get out to sea, because James Cameron loves the fucking sea, then I like I got seduced by that world, just like when Jake gets lost in the jungle in the first one. But then, when the in the third hour, when the stakes arrive and the action arrives, I'm just in. I I felt that mm. I did I did not predict this film having stakes like it did. I, one thing that was bugging me throughout was I didn't think um, Zoe Saldana's Natiri had much to do, and then she gets a barn yeah, a barnstormer of a of a of a third act. I felt she gets to do some great stuff. I was I was blown away by the action in in this in the th- in the third hour. 
I think the action is incredible. I, do, I don't think anybody shoots action as well as James Cameron, really. And, and also, it's kind of like with, uh, I don't know, Sigmund Freud's theories being so accepted most of, most of the way that people even forget that they're his. They, they just forget that somebody came up with this shit. In the same way, with the effects in this film, it's so photoreal you forget that this is basically an animated movie. It is basically an animated film, like, but... I think they should have used all practical effects. Yes, real Navi, but the real Navi aren't on good terms with the Sky people anymore. You and I laughed at certain points during the same time because the script is sometimes terrible. (laughs) Um, And also... Just sort of, just some kind of poor dialogue, especially mm, military stuff. The... uh, Booyah! The uh, the the bullies are good though. I like the <laughs> I like. Them. Well, I I turned to you at that point, and because we watched this together yeah, in yeah. cinema, we went to like a three D Dolby Atmos screening. Yes, which was, was nice. Good. I mean, I think that's you need to see Way in three D. Dolby Atmos was the best we had. We didn't have IMAX, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I I turned to you when the they went to the 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 water area and the kids started getting bullied. Because I know you love bullying in films. That's one of your favorite tropes. I do love movie bullies. You love a bully. But I love the movie yeah. bully that you know that they're going to turn the other cheek eventually. They're going to... Yeah, yeah. Good. They're all going to become friends Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that such a trope. Like, it, like, it's almost like like screen, screenwriters must throw their eyes to heaven when they have to do that. Because it works for the plot. But it's just like, oh, God, do we have to do this? <laughs> yeah, we have to do this. Look at your tails. Look at your stupid I tails. Swim yeah, with yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. It's very funny. They you have a mo- got hands like shovels. Natiri's like betrothed in the first movie is exactly that character as well. He's just making fun of Jake Sully the whole way through, and then eventually comes good. Yeah. What did you think of the technical aspect of frame rates? Because the screening we went to, it had high frame rate, forty-eight frames per second. Distracting at the minute. Switching, at the, at the, switching okay. back to twenty-four frames per second during the same scenes often. Yeah, the, I find the 60, you get used to it, the 60 frame rate, oh, sorry, uh, the 48 frames per second, you get used to it, but um, it's jarring at the start, much like it was with the Hobbit 3D movies. And what he did was, it, because you can't slow down the frame rate, so when it was 24 frames a second, they just printed each frame twice for the slowed down scenes. Oh, really? Yeah, because it can't switch between 24 and 48 frames per second. It's all at 48 frames a second. Ah, okay. But when they weren't shooting, when they weren't showing 48 individual frames, they just doubled up. But it is quite jarring when, especially because it happened during action scenes where you've got things in 48 frames a second that look extremely lifelike. And then you go back to 24 frames a second, which is like regular film. And you're like, fucking hell, it's in slow motion. You'd be a good man to interview James Cameron. He'd love to talk about this sort of shit. He loves frames. Well, he made a good point. He talked about like high frame rate for him is more of a tool. That's why he doesn't film the entire thing in 48 frames a second compared to like some other high frame rate things like Ang Lee's big into his last film, Gemini Man. He, he he filmed 60 uh, wasn't it I think he no it was 120 frames a second Jesus Christ that sounds awful and apparently yeah there was like that was the best way to watch it was IMAX 120 frames a second but with your eyes closed and your ears taped <laughs> shut so you didn't have to see the film I don't know I haven't seen Gemini Man, yeah apparently it's pretty crap. terrible yeah but yeah I, I liked I just that some of those changes I, as I say I've mentioned that I've said the word jarring multiple times already but it was a bit it's not great I know for some people, I heard some people say that that made it almost like unwatchable for them. I didn't have that problem. Mm. I just thought it was a little unusual. But 
you know, it does look great and no one does 3D like James Cameron, as I think we've established. Have you seen anything else in 3D that was even remotely approaching the same level? Funny, uh, you you just brought him up. Ang Lee's The Life of Pi. I remember thinking that was... Oh, was that in 3D? Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking that was very, a very good 3D presentation. I'm trying to think now. Was there anything else that impressed me? I think Ang Lee did that blah, blah, blah's halftime walk or whatever. Yeah, Billy whatever's, yeah, yeah. Billy. I don't think it was... I don't think that was 3D, though. I think that was his was first venture. Oh, it was just high frame, high frame rate. rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. No, um, the... Other ones I can... I went to see the re-release of Titanic in 3D. I remember enjoying that. Mm. And I also went to see the re-release of The Phantom Menace in 3D, which was a wake-up call for me because I'd been defending it for years and then I had to suddenly eat my words and go, wow, this is actually really bad. There's always a bigger fish. There is always a bigger fish. (laughs) Yes, excellent stuff. Much as we saw in Avatar The Way of Water. Yes, there's a bigger fish moment. There's a bigger fish. Yeah, 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 yeah. That happens. Were you in? Did you get in any way emotionally involved in the movie? Uh, when they introduced all of the children, mm. I immediately had a sense of I don't want anything bad to happen to them. I just I was like, don't do, don't do anything bad to them. But if you are going to kill one, do kill the older brother because he's by far the least interesting. But they don't. What are you talking about? They do kill the older brother. Was well, he not the younger brother? No, he's yeah, he's the older. The guy who becomes friends with the big fish. He's the younger. They kill the other one. They don't kill the one who's friends with the fish. Oh, right. Okay. I had that wrong. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm racist against Navi. They all look the same to me. They are very similar. They're very similar characters. I thought that the older brother was the one who was like the boyfriend of the girl from the the water tribe, but apparently it was the younger one. Yeah, I, I thought that. But I thought that was the one that but died. But it's the older brother who... Nah, it's the older brother who dies. They've got slightly different tattoos. The older brother has almost no personality traits. Except he's a good warrior. Yeah, he's like more... He's uh, Sam Worthington's favourite. Jake Sully's favourite, I think. Oh, so when Jake Sully says to his son, you you've done enough. Idiot. Oh, so that's mean, man. I mean, he's going to be upset. Oh, is, that, is, that, is, this, is this taking the film to like a whole new level for you? Yeah. Wow. I, I yeah. Wow. I think it would have been more interesting the if, if they did it my way. This. this is like the Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, yeah. There's no such thematic depth to it. Let's be real. But um, I'm interested no. to see what how the story concludes. There's one more movie to go out next year. Well, there's one film guaranteed. No matter how. I mean, Wave Water is doing quite well. Yeah, six hundred million. It's grossed about you know, six hundred milli. And it's climbing and it's obviously going to be around for a long time. So it should have legs. It should uh, keep bringing in the money. I'm They've going to see it again uh, next Avatar 3. Avatar 3's got David Thewlis in it. Nice. Apparently it's called, the film is uh, allegedly going to be titled The Seed Bearer. And they've also apparently shot the first act of number four. Do you know, I would, when they were talking, I would, <laughs> I want to see like a, a, a Planet of the Apes 3 type scenario where the Navi go to Earth. I think going to Earth is like a logical yeah. move just to see what Earth is at this point. Yeah, I, I would be interested in that. Do you know what's one of the sillier moments in it where he explains why the whale brain is so valuable? It stops aging. I, I think they were just trying to retcon the whole, they're like, okay, it's not unobtainium anymore. We just want whale brains or we want everything. And we want to move to this planet. We want to like yeah. colonize. They're like, 
last time round, people weren't that on board with the thing that we wanted, so let's just up the stakes slightly. Fair. Jermaine Clement wasn't good. Did you not like him as a, a marine biologist, Dr. Ian Garvin? No, he had a terrible line in it as well. But lots of people had terrible lines. That's okay, I suppose. Um, I think it's because Brett wasn't there. Let's talk about a uh, cast, actually. Yeah, who would you... I mean, I think Sam Worthington is far improved in this film compared to the first one. I think maybe yes, I don't is. know if that's the, the role of Jake Sully's fleshed out. Sam Worthington is better he's lived a lot of life since the first one i think he like not a lot of not a lot of acting and stuff like that no but i think he did stuff where he was like i'm kind of pissing it all away oh really i didn't got know a that lot of, yeah he got a lot of like big film roles that didn't really go anywhere he did whereas yeah. for me i remember in the the first time round, i always knew him as like the guy from somersault, from somersault which yeah. of course we watched last year i think yeah Great movie. Yeah, and so I was always going off of the back of that, going like, he's really fucking good in that film. Mm, so when he, is, he started getting cast in Hollywood stuff and it didn't go that well for him, I was like, oh man, you put him up against Abby Cornish. Yeah, because you're, a, you're a, a big... Uh, town in Australia. You're what they would call a champion of that film, and I appreciate it for because it, 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 is, it is a great film. And Somersault he, champion. He's really great in it. He's really great yes. in it, um, and it's it's not an easy role to play. It's quite like he's got a, a lot of depth in it and it's a lot of nuanced. layers to him. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, he has improved in this. As I said, I was a bit bummed out for for Zoe Saldana, who didn't get a lot to do for most of the movie. Yeah, it's rough. But I but then once uh, once her kid dies and she gets her shit together, uh, I thought she was great and dangerous. Um, yeah, when she's got spider with a knife. Oh to yeah, his that's throat. a great moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver. It's pretty surprising to see her play a teenage <laughs> Navi yeah. version of herself. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I thought that worked quite well. I mean, if you can work with James Cameron, work with James Cameron. But it did work well, and I imagine she's got a much bigger role in the third one. Nah, she's going to die. She, it's it's going to be like uh, Newt or something. Do you think? Yeah, she's, she's going to drown in stasis. Have you seen how they film the water scenes? Do they go in water? Yeah, they were in water, right? I haven't seen it, but I heard that like uh, Kate Winslet beat some kind of yes. uh, uh, six minutes diving, yeah, breath record. That's mad. And her having, you know, spent <laughs> at least the early 2000s saying, she loves you it. should not work with James Cameron because you'll freeze to death. No, but they, like... You know the sensors that they have on their face, uh, so they can. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They, basically, they fill up water tanks with these little sensors like that. It's it's insane the way they film this. And uh, like I I I more so got this when uh, I I rewatched um, Avatar the in the re-release this year. Um, but I remember just thinking, man, if more people double down on this type of filmmaking, and so it got cheaper because it would get cheaper if if they like people got more interested in it. Like, the stuff they could do in terms of historical epics would be insane. Like, even... Yeah, I, go on. a war film or something. A, like, a, a World War One film. Uh, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. do a 3D... 1917. Do a 3D rendition. Of, no, even just 20 minutes of what it was like to be a soldier at Verdun. Because, like, how photorealistic they're able to create this world. And they had to make this world up. They got historical records for Verdun, you know? Do you have any idea who played any of the kids? Uh, the guy who played Spider, I know, is called Jack Champion. I just know that because I thought he's got a good name. He's from New Zealand, is he? to be called Jack Champion. I don't think so. I think he might be American. They had a problem where, like, they filmed this originally between 2017 and 2020, 
and during COVID, they needed to restart filming, and they basically Cameron had to go to the New Zealand government and go like, please, you need to let us restart filming because I remember that uh, this this actor Jack Champion who played Spider, he's aging so fast. We need to finish the film because otherwise everything we've shot with him is just is, isn't going to be usable anymore. Yeah, I remember reading that. Because he's like 19 or something and he's, he's 19 going on 30. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. He's a hot fucking piece of ass, I'll tell you that. Well, I, I did. This is not the only time this has happened when we've been sat together in the, in the cinema and I'm not drawing any conclusions nor am I casting any aspersions. But I, when I, he was on screen in his little loincloth, you did rearrange your crotchal zone multiple times. And believe me, I understand. I get it. Yeah, no, no, no. Because it was, it was ludicrous. It's ludicrous that we have to look at that. Yeah, yeah, he is a hot piece of ass. catching saliva in my, in my cup. I know a Swedish friend of mine who, who un, like there was no warning before the film or anything that that would be featured. And he took, took his teenage daughter to see that film. You imagine that? Oh my God! Yeah, that's, that's not it. fair. She's, she's ruined. Exactly. She's gonna get skater boyfriends now. Not what you yeah. want for your Swedish daughter. What do you think of Stephen Langer? Stephen Lang, the the old fucking Langer, came <laughs> back as uh, Colonel Miles Quaritch. That's a good name. Is anyone really called Quaritch? Is that an actual surname? I think it's quite good. Not sure. Yeah, I don't Stephen think anybody Lang. is called Quaritch. But still, he's solid. Yeah, I, I mean. Thought he he's it was a good way to bring him back into the action because Stephen Lang is a great baddie as we've seen in Don't Breathe. Yes, he's great in Don't Breathe. Have you he's seen Don't Breathe too? Turkey yet? Baster. I haven't because <laughs> I don't. Baster. I don't like the idea. I don't like the idea of making a sequel to that film just because it feels it feels like a bit of a cash grab. But tell me, I'm wrong. Uh, I enjoyed it. I like the sequel. Yeah, but you like Avatar. Yes, I do. Uh, if. <sighs> We don't generally give star ratings on here. If you were forced to give one to this, what would you say? If we're rating out of five, which I think is the only way to do star ratings, yes. none of this fucking Ebert out of four things, I would say this, is a, this for me is a three out of five. Maybe pushing 3.5. Okay. 3.25 out of five. Slightly better than average, I'd say. Above average. I would, I would give it a, a, a four. Mm. And uh, I would probably give the first one a five. Uh, but uh, I, like once again, I just like I I just think I mean as an argument for the cinema experience, uh, James Cameron, man. <laughs> like I, I I don't know. I've I've seen I think I've except for The Abyss, I've seen all of his films in the cinema at one time or another. Um, and Piranha Two, I haven't seen Piranha Two in the cinema. I don't think you need to watch Piranha Two though. No, 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 no. That that like that one works on the smallest. By screen. all accounts, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, he like his films are cinematic to the bones. Also, actually, you're a big guy for this sort of thing. What did you make of the score? I thought the score was very good. Yeah, I thought it would, they used that theme. Is that the main theme from the yes. first film? Yes, is it that is. that like they've repeated that sort of thing? Yeah, I thought they used that quite well. Uh, the composer was Simon Franklin. Nice. I believe that's how you say it. He also did... Ava- no, he didn't do the original Avatar, did he? he no, I think Howard Shore Avatar? did the original Avatar. Oh, yeah, Howard Shapiro, Howard Shore. Well, he's done some other stuff. He did uh, Notre Dame on Fire. Hmm. <laughs> nice. Script's <laughs> a good film, right? <laughs> um, a dramatic retelling by Jean-Jacques Hannault of the uh, Notre Dame Fire. Should we run through the plot real quick? By God. Oh, yeah, the only other cast members we haven't mentioned are... Um, Kate Winslet. Actually. Kate Winslet. 
yeah, who I didn't recognize at all. I knew she was right. in the film, so I just assumed she would be the yeah, Ronal, the uh, leader of the Met, Met, Metkaina tribe. Yeah, disappointing um, now because she's actually broken her record streak in James Cameron films. She did not get the lads out. Well, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, Navi lads. Navi lads, Navi nipples are always conveniently covered up. I wonder, is it to do with the desired rating for the film? So, like, are they mammals? They cover their groinal zones as well. Uh, Yeah, but they they have sex with the tails and fibers and stuff. But isn't that just like an added, isn't that like, I don't know, like... LSD sex or something? (laughs) Isn't that like doing poppers or something? (laughs) I thought that was just... (laughs) That's just the next level. <laughs> I think it is actually. I don't think it actually does anything. I mean, it doesn't. You're not going to procreate by plugging the, the in word like poppers that. has just taken me to that scene in cruising. That's where, well, <laughs> where Al Pacino that's, gets that's off his head. That's where we should all live. Yes, indeed. yeah. The only other person, the only other cast member I wanted to mention was Edie Falco. Is the the coffee oh, yeah. drinking mech lady? Blink and you'll miss her. Walking around huh? in the mech. I don't know. She's in it a bit at the start, back when it was more human-y. Yeah, I gather she'll have more scenes than the third one. Yeah, she's going to be playing uh, Colonel Quaritch's psychologist. No, nice. he's going to be his therapist. Is that a is that a wide range? Is that's that a, a Sopranos that is reference? A of Sopranos yeah, yeah. reference, indeed. I mean, yes. Yeah, that would be a, that would be disappointing for the fans of the franchise. Do you want to run through the plot real quick? Sure. This is going to sound like the, this is going to sound because. How little we know of the characters' names is going to sound like we're making fun of the plot because it's all like it's all going to be vagaries. So we're introduced to the Sully family. Uh, they got two, three real kids that are theirs, and uh, two bit part kids. One that's a child of Sigourney a virgin Weaver, birth, Sigourney Weaver's corpse, um, which is never really explained, and the other one is Corridge's son, who he left on Pandora, abandoned him. What a bad man. Called Spider, which yeah. normally when there's a character called Spider, you're like, ah, oh, this kid's going to be annoying. Yes. And uh, he's not that bad, but we'll get to his motivations and actions later on, maybe. Anyway, they put Courage's uh, memories back in an avatar and he's like, all right, I'm going to go back down to Pandora and kick some ass. I'm going to lick some ass. Uh, he's going to seek out Jake Sully and fuck him up. So then they, they get in some skirmishes and uh, Sully and co decide that they're going to leave the jungles and head out to the sea people and uh, hide out with them. So they head out there, they get to know them a little bit, they swim with the whales, uh, there's bullies, um, but the, you know they gain their respect eventually. And then there's these whales that uh, are friends with the sea navi. They're called the Tulkun. The Tulkun, but they're like, it, it actually reminded me of that uh, interview, the long interview with uh, Cormac McCarthy I was talking about. Because Cormac McCarthy, a lot of people won't know this, is a, a he's an enthusiast he's, of very smart animals. He's big into space whales. Well, he likes whales and wolves because apparently they're in, mm. incredibly intelligent. And he always says, like, I he 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 says he imagines that blue whales understand the world in a way that we we couldn't even halfway dream of which is i don't know it's interesting because he's a very smart guy uh, so i'd imagine you know there might be something to what he says but anyway that seems to be the line of thinking that james cameron has because uh the these boys are great friends with the this the the water navi and jake sully's teenage son makes friends with one who's apparently a bad one he's missing a fin Anyway. Oh yeah, he's like the kind of incel whale. Yeah, exactly. It's all alone. He's like listening to 
like metal and stuff and he's, planning he's some a bad sort of whale-style whale school shooting. He's a bad whale. You don't want anything to do with that whale. Anyway, they, and they have their sea flying creatures, but eventually Quaritch catches up with them uh, and Quaritch with the help of the people who hunt the whales. And they hunt the whales because when they take out the yellow goo out of the whale brain, it stops human aging. It literally stops human aging, as the guy says. And, and it cost 80 million or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100 billion dollars. Yeah, uh, but th- then anyway, stakes. Stakes arrive because Quaritch finds them and he's like, right, I'm going to fucking take you boys to task. And um, yeah, there's a lot of kid kidnapping. They do a lot of kid kidnapping, which is distressing to see. Is that just called kidnapping? Do you have to call it kid kidnapping? I suppose. Uh, that's what I'm doing. And then... Um, yeah, then uh, one of Jake Sully's kids dies. The oldest one, as I've just Bummer. learned. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was the other one. Um, I think his name's Jack. It actually makes sense because... Because I thought it was the younger one who died, I was shocked because the older one seemed, like, earmarked for death. His name is Niteam. He is the oldest child. He's played by James Flatters. Not anymore. James Flatters to deceive. What? Oh, flat out, oh, right, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, he dies, giving the movie stakes, Natiri gets all badass, and um, there's spectacular action in the last hour of the film, absolutely incredible stuff, with uh, bits of, you know, it's bits of it remind you of Titanic, that's true, but I love Titanic, so I'm okay with that. And then eventually... Space whale, dead ahead. <laughs> It feels like, like, actually, at one point in it, I was like, God damn it, is Jake Sully going to die? Because I thought, because they killed the kid, I was like, man, anybody can die right now. They what? definitely could have written off old Sam Worthington's contract, saved some money. Yeah, and then Natiri um, almost kills Spider. I thought, oh, Spider could die here. And anyway, Again, wouldn't be bad. It looks like Quaritch is going to die, but then Spider saves him, so he's, he's going to be in the last movie. And then Jake Sully's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. We're going to make our stand. Now, that's three hours and 12 minutes, what I just said there. I feel like it takes longer to explain the plot of the Chronicles of Riddick. Probably does, actually. But we'd probably have more fun explaining that plot also. How do you feel about Spider working with the the other side? And, like, I just feel like there's... In some other films, Spider would have pushed back more when he was hunting his friends, working with Quaritch and, and those guys. I just feel like he was sort of not... It's a gap it in the a plotting. It's a bit of a gray area. It's, it's a, a gap a gray in the area. plotting. It's just like normal, but then most, it's just because I feel like in the usual language of cinema, he would have been going like, I'm not going to fucking help you. Yeah. I'm not going to flarking help you. But also I have the problem of the fact that like, I, I am human. I'm probably more on Quaritch's side in my bones, um, which like, but I'm not actually when I'm watching the film, which Basically, I, f- I think when you're watching the film, you don't think of the Navi as a- another species. You just think of them as the good guys. I don't, I don't see species. No, are you species blind? <laughs> yeah, I, all species are the same to me. All species are the same. <laughs> That's nice. Everything. That explains some of your no, girlfriends. Cool. Yeah. That's about it for me from Avatar. I was a fan. You less so. Yeah, I wanted to see more Giovanni Ribisi, more Dilip Rao as Dr. Max Patel. I needed to see a bit more of that. More Matt Gerald as Corporal Lyle Wayne. <laughs> 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 I don't even know who that is. I'm going to go see this again next weekend. So I'll... I'll... I, would, I've, I, I don't know about you, but like I've, I've got an IMAX cinema that I could go to. 
so uh, I would be tempted to see it. In the I don't, but I've, I've, there's a very big screen near where I stay in Madrid, Fair so play. I'll be going to that. Yeah, but not quite IMAX. You I haven't could, been to I mean, an IMAX in years. Like, you could see it in Spanish in IMAX now. There must be one in Madrid. Somewhere. Yeah, fuck that though. Fair play. For real though, fuck that. <laughs> and fuck Spain for for making me okay. do that. I, God damn it! You just stop with the dubbed movies, you idiots. I love you, Spain. You're my the home of my I heart. Like a good dub. A, a person from Dublin. Yes, exactly. How's the weather over there? Uh, it's frightful. Yeah, it's awful here too. I better get back to it. It's Christmas Eve. When will this be going out? It is. I don't know. Maybe today. Who knows? Oh right. Well, in that case, that's about it from us. I think. Uh, yeah, next time around. Well, it's, I think we might have a bit of a best of yeah, 2022. We're gonna we'll we'll do a review of the year next. Plus, week. at some point, we need to talk about American Jiggle and Mishima, a life in four chapters. Yes, very much looking forward to that. Need to figure out what my toss film is going to be. That expect uh, more of the same from us next year. Happy Christmas, everybody, except Keith. Yeah, a happy Kwanzaa. What's a Kwanzaa? Hanukkah. Uh, it's like that African American one. The African Americans have a different Christmas. Oh my God! Uh, I just like to apologize on behalf of my co-host. Oh no! I'm gonna... He's going to be doing some learning. He's going to do some self-reflection and learning. Over I this, am. I'm uh, going to read holiday I, period. I'm going to read Roots. Mm. <laughs> I've actually read Roots. It's pretty good. I am Groot. I am Roots. okay uh, I I was thinking about trees this is getting derailed quickly Uh, I love you folks I love you Andy I love you too bye bye bye